What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Though I, I do think the whole Rings of Power fiasco in some way is in part to blame from the Tolkien estate. Why would you sell the company to like only the appendices of the story? Welcome, welcome everyone to Two Rainbow Podcast, episode number 30. My name is Richard. Austin over here. Yeah, got to do our names every time now, so we're not guy on left, guy on right. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yet, if you looked at the title of the video, today is our episode on the Rings of Power versus the Silmarillion. And we're doing this episode because Richard here just finished reading the Silmarillion, and it took you a little bit. It, it did. It took it, me at least like t- two, three weeks. Which is unusual. Usually you blow through books, and this one was more tedious. Yeah. Well, no, it's... Not tedious is the wrong word. I had to be meticulous. Mm. And the reason is because I had to keep looking through names and family trees and maps. More more papers. (laughs) (laughs) Tedious was the wrong word, I should say. Yeah, meticulous. I I can't just tear. Like, Sanderson, I don't need to reference anything Mm. when I'm reading. I just read it and I go. Yeah. This one, I had to stop every once in a while and look at the map and go, okay, where am I? Okay, who are the families that are following? From my understanding, it's more like a history book, right? Yes, I had to actually like, and even then, I need to read it again. (laughs) I wasn't starting to get it till the end. And then I was like, names and family histories are starting to click together. I'm like, okay, I understand now. Yeah. But through most of the book, it was hard. Right. And so the, the purpose of this video, and I think what will interest some viewers is we are looking at the Rings of Power, which we, if anyone knows, we did not like the show. Uh, and yeah. uh, it, it was it was an interesting one. But we're comparing the Rings of Power and Silmarillion in this way. We do know the Rings of Power is not based on this, not based in quotes, we'll say, on the Silmarillion, because Amazon only has the rights to the appendices in the Lord of the Rings. However, the appendices in the Lord of the Rings essentially gives bullet point format of events that happen in the Silmarillion. Is that correct? Yes. It's a shortened, condensed version of 
events that happen in the Silmar run and leaves right. out a lot of the detail. Of course. Uh, leaves out quite a bit of things. So, But it does have some of the bullet points on there. Right. So the Silmarillion isn't what the Rings of Power show is taking from exactly it, mm-hmm. because it doesn't have the rights to Silmarillion. So the purpose of this video is more to show what the Silmarillion is about and the lore of Lord of the Rings, why you see so many fans, including us, and I'd say more so you because you've now read the Silmarillion, yeah. why they're there's grievances over the lore changes and the differences and how cool middle earth is. So we're just using this opportunity to be like, Hey, for those of you out here who haven't read the Cimmerillion, there's a lot that I'm sure you have to say about this because I'm curious. I'm curious about some mm-hmm. of the differences between the show and what Tolkien actually wrote. I'm curious as in what exactly the book covers and we'll get into all of that. So, yeah, I think most of the differences that the show does, it does make a lot of changes, but so does the original trilogy. The difference is the changes in the real original trilogy ultimately end up to a good product. That's mm. the problem with The Rings of Power is they change a lot of stuff, and it's doesn't make the material better, doesn't improve anything. It's just a worse product. But today is kind of about the lore on what makes the Silmarillion special, what makes the whole story special, and why it's a difficult... I think why it's a difficult book to adapt in a standard format you do have to be creative if you're going to you're gonna have to go kind of two one of two ways you're gonna have to either hyper focus on a singular incident and then you have a bit more liberties so maybe the tale of baron luthien uh you could tell just that story because there's a lot of detail in the silmarillion about them and you could just get really invested in those characters or you could tell a specific incident in um sauron corrupting the the people of Numenor tell just that story, but rings of power is just kind of doing too much and we don't care about any of them. Well, with, to give the rings of power a, the benefit here is mm-hmm. that they don't have really material to go off of. The thing yeah. is they have these bullet point formats and appendices. So it kind of comes across as Tolkien definitely didn't write this. They're, they're kind of trying to go from these points, these points, but they're not, it's not a lot based on what Tolkien wrote. I, I would say it's, it's the difference between Tolkien in the appendices. There are kind of flagpoles throughout the story. Mm. And if the showrunners wanted to, as long as they get from point A to point B, however they get there, that's fine. And sure, I think fans would be happy with it as long as it was good. But as long as the A and B are still there. But are they changing the A and B? They are changing those. Mm. That's the problem is... There's a lot of room to be creative here. Just don't change the big points. Like the right. the things that Tolkien actually talked about, don't change those. You can make up whatever you like in between, but mm. don't change the big stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, ring, Rings of Power, we're really just, this is going to be focused on the Cimmerillion. Yeah. And just to show, we, we had our episode about why the Rings of Power, and it was more so just us going, we don't like this. But Yeah, it, actually, it, we, we even well, came. Want to talk about that for a couple minutes just to... Sure. So we're going to talk about Rings of Power real quick, and then we promise the rest of this will be focused on Middle <laughs> Earth, cool lore stuff. But Rings of Power, if you could more condensely say uh, what your big grievance about the show is, what is that so we can get that across? Writing, number one. Mm. It's the number one thing. If if they changed the lore, but the writing was good and the characters were interesting, yeah, I'd, get, I'd watch the show. Yeah, cool. It'd just be a diff. It would be a story based on Tolkien's work. All right, it would stand alongside. But 
it's not good writing. <laughs> Those characters are not interesting. So it wearing the moniker of Tolkien is just insulting. So it, it seems very generic fantasy, and it, it just there's a video that Richard sent me that I wish I could remember the guy's name. I'll put it on screen here. Yeah, uh, because this guy did a had a great video on it. At the, my thoughts exactly is that he mm-hmm. said the Rings of Power seemed to lack love. Yeah. And although that's a very generic thing to say, lacking love, like how do you put that together? But he showed several scenes throughout the show where it just showed where it showed that in the show there was a severe lack of care behind it and detail, and then they were kind of just checking boxes of all right, we need this person to be in this location, and we need them to feel this way without putting the effort and getting that character to that point or with just being like oh we have to have this character be saved okay let's make him drop his axe this checkbox thing and he does a great job like i said uh, his name will be right here props to him because that that really it was a great video about it yeah I mean, my feelings exactly it's just that it's it's hard to pinpoint one big problem with it because it's all small it's all small problems that create a big problem is how i'm looking at it yeah no th- there's definitely a lack of care and, you know, someone may be commenting like, oh, there's plenty. See, the characters, that the creators do care. Look at all these Easter eggs to uh, Tolkien's uh, you know, work. And, oh, they're referencing this stuff. And I think that's just kind of Easter eggs are the poor man's quality. Like, you need to, an Easter egg is not substance. Like, I want the show to actually, like, these these moments to actually be real and actually be impactful rather than just a throwaway Easter egg that someone like me or someone else could rep like, Oh yeah, mm. that character's there. Or, Hey, look, look at that little thing in the background. Gotcha. <clears throat> well, but then we should talk about what is the, a big lore breaking moment in the show from your knowledge of it? Because I know one I'll throw at you. Sure. And tell me if this is right. I've not read this in Orleans, mm-hmm. but Numendor. The so the, the show apparently goes through this uh, that Numendor's fate is predicted, or they kind of see these visions of Numendor will fall. Yeah, and uh, Numenor. N- Numenor, sorry, Numenor will fall. But could you expand on what is the difference between the actual lore and the Rings of Power? Yeah, so, so in uh, the show, of uh, the Queen Regent, uh, the Regent of Numenor, uh, has. Uh, one of the oh, trying to remember one of the seven stones, uh, not the Orthunk stone, but okay. trying to remember. Anyway, through it can see the uh, the fall of Numenor, and yeah, that's not a thing. The in the Silmarillion, it's incredibly surprising to everyone, including Sauron, that Numenor falls. Yeah, mm. and how bad it is. Like it is unpredictable. Unpredictable and, and devastating. Like, you know the Numenorians are going to fail, and a lot of Numenorians are going to die. But it, So, when... Spoilers, I guess, by the way, but... Eh, I we're, don't think we're, just going, we're going into Middle-Earth lore here, yeah. so it's, it's going to be background on Middle-Earth. Basically, over hundreds of years, and I think 13 generations of Numenorians, they become envious and fall to Sauron's lies and want to invade the Undying Lands to become immortal themselves. Well, at least the king well, thinks he gets to. Mm. And so they march against the um, the Valar and lose. Off, like, obviously like, bad. They're, they're effectively angels. They're close to gods. They lose miserably. And that's where Sauron thinks it's going to end. Like, yeah, 
all the Numenorians are going to die. Great. Sauron's got this. Right? Yeah, and so he's like, oh, what? he's sitting, like, Sauron's literally at Numenor going, awesome, hey, I just got rid of my biggest enemy, we're doing great, Numenorians are dumb, and God basically comes down and is like, yeah, not enough, and creates a sinkhole from Numenor, where <laughs> Numenor falls into a hole with all these, what just completely destroys it and creates and these waves destroy coastlines of Middle-earth and irreparably change the landscape of the entire planet. And then he takes the world that's flat and makes it into a globe and literally removes the undying land from the realm of Arda. <laughs> like, oof. Wow. Like, the Numenorians, like, push, and the Valar just really just keep reaching. Mind you, I thought I was, like, the biggest Lord of the Rings fan ever, and all this stuff you're saying is, like, didn't know that. <laughs> so I am my fandom. I, I'm not giving credit to my fandom. Thing is, okay, look, I'm going to get a lot of things wrong because yeah. I only read it once. I'm not here to correct you. I need to read. I, I believe everything Pe you're saying. People in the comments are going to correct me because yeah. I'm going to get names wrong. I don't know how to say a lot of it. I tried doing pronunciations, but I'm terrible at it. So I'm going to get stuff wrong. It's a complex thing you need to read multiple times. There's other works to reference. It's complex. Got it. Anyway. But the Rings of Power clearly changes some things in the lore and yeah. something like that where no one saw Numenor coming in the Silmarillion. It was a complete surprise. And in the show, they have these visions where the main yeah. character, one of the main characters sees it coming. and It's it's important because the Numenorians, a big part of it is their pride. Mm. And they they are so powerful in Middle-earth. They, they're so, they completely wipe the floor with everyone, including Sauron. Sauron's not even a threat to them. That's how powerful the Numenorians are. And at the height of their pride, they think they can basically take on the kingdom of God. And they are proven wrong. Hard. But now in the show, they kind of see it coming. They know that that's a very different dynamic. It, it makes them makes them less interesting. And which, which, again, I think supports the theory a lot of people are saying. Not the theory, but just the feeling people have where Rings of Power is more of a fanfic, if anything. Yeah. Where it's it doesn't it, it's going off the appendices of Lord of the Rings. So you're gonna see differences from the appendices, which they're filling a bunch of stuff, and what actually happens in the Silmarillion. That's yeah. the problem. And is there any other big lore change you can remember that was severe, a severe difference between the Rings of Power and the Silmarillion? This is something that maybe in the show they fix. Maybe they left it out in the beginning on purpose. Okay. Could be. I doubt it, because in the beginning they tell about how the elves flight to Middle-earth, how they're going after Morgoth. Well, in Silmarillion, it's a, it is drastically important to the entire history of the elves. It, it, it's incredibly important. Is the Noldor, a group of the elves who create the Silmarils... Um, again, I'm going to get the names terrible. Okay. Let me get this right. He has it, by the way, for, oh, for God. those who can't see, Hurts. he has an entire mapped out ancestry. I'll, of, I'll, yeah, send, put, I'll send it to you uh, so you can have the digital, we can put it on screen. But So Feanor creates the Silmarils, mm -hmm. Morgoth steals them after killing the uh, trees that basically give light to the world. Morgoth leaves to Middle-earth. Feanor's like, I'm going to get them back. And he goes to the, another group of elves, they're like, hey, we need your boats. I'm to confused, get across. but keep going. Oh, I'm, I know. It's it. rough. Yeah. Basically, the elves have infighting, and they the first time they slaughter, uh, the first time elf on elf, 
uh, violence happens in the Undying Lands. Mm. And they use that and they leave. And the gods forsake the Noldor and say, like, you're not allowed to come back. Got you it. slaughtered your brethren. And everything that you do in Middle-earth will fail. All of your endeavors will all end in misery. They were essentially banished to Middle-earth. Banished and also cursed. Mm. Like, everything that you do will end in failure. Okay. And it's kind of true. kind of is what happens. And so that's a big reason. So Galadriel, she doesn't... She also leaves in that similar fashion. I don't know if she really participates in the elf-on-elf slaughter. It's not really clear, but she may have. But she's also banished from Middle-earth. But it it sets up everything that is to come of why the elves fail, why they are in many ways just, to, uh, just as prone to fall as man, just differently. Right. It sets a very different context where the show is like, Oh yeah, Morgoth stole the Simrils and all the elves went out to get that, van- so the vanquish Rings of Power is essentially saying that the elves went to Middle Earth to vanquish Morgoth. Yeah, and everything's right? good. And that's what the whole point was to vanquish Morgoth. Whereas in the Simrillian, it's a there tragedy. There was elf on elf violence, and they were essentially banished and cursed to Middle Earth. Yeah. Okay, that's a big difference. They that- voluntarily went. They were going there anyway, but the got the the Val uh, the Valar basically you're not allowed to come back. Okay. Okay. And so it sets up a very different, where like, yes, they should be going after Morgoth, but also like mm. they were not right to kill their own kind and out of jealousy and feed, all these stuff. So it definitely puts the elves in a different light, where in the Rings of Power, it's just, oh, the elves went off to kill the bad guy. It makes them so simple and not as interesting or complex story. And not to mention, and again, someone coming from someone who didn't read the Silmarillion, but I've heard people insulted by the opening scene of Rings of Power where Galadriel had this little boat going down the stream. Yeah. And these other kids were chucking rocks at it. The the yeah. the the grievances I heard about that were that the Undying Lands are supposed to kind of be this zen like, perfect, peaceful utopia. Yeah, and basically. See, although it was like kids being kids, that sort of thing, it was mm-hmm. a difference from like the Undying Lands literally being heaven. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Do you feel that as well from reading? Yes. Story? I've heard the explanation that maybe those are the kids of, uh, the kids of Feanor because Feanor's kids are a little bit, uh, a bit more violent, a bit more, okay. maybe I doubt they thought that far ahead. The only reference I can think from that one is maybe the sundering of the elves where the Noldor kill the other, the seafaring elves and steal their ships. Mm-hmm. And, Actually, me, say, me agreeing, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, there's also yeah. the when the Noldor actually take the ships and leave, they actually abandon Galadriel and her family in um, in uh, the Val- Valinor. They, they leave them there, okay. and the Noldor leave with the boats, and they have to go the long way around. Okay. A lot of them die. And so when they get there, they burn from they burn the ships. So maybe that's a reference to the Noldor sinking uh, the ships of the... Hold on. I have my papers here for a reason. Uh, if you find the, it quickly, that's actually impressive. You have like 20 sheets of paper here. The Teleri, I believe. Okay. No, the, mm, the Sindar. I believe it's the Sindar. The Sindar. All right, we're going to go with the centaur. Someone will correct you. It's okay. Someone's <laughs> going to correct me. Uh, anyway, they're the ones that built yep. the ships. So maybe that's what the reference 
Okay. But again, Easter egg. Mm. That's not enough. Show me the actual stuff of what happened. But mm. if they can't do that because of rights, then tell a different story. I follow. I follow. So it seems like there's a there's a few big differences between Rings of Power and Cimmerillion. And again, and time frame wise, uh, like there's another big difference is the time frame. Yeah, just everything's shrunk down. Mm. Where a lot of the a big part of the story is the difference between immortals and mortal men, and how you know mortal forever exactly and mortal men you know over generations things can change, and where you know great great men uh, start off and they you know they've learned these hard lessons, and over time their their sons and their grandchildren they will fall prey to lies and deception because they never lived the days before. Got There's it. a reason why that, that men are easier to trick and they're easier to fall. Also important to note, the Rings of Power takes place during the Second Age only so far. Yes. The Cimmerillion takes place during the First and Second Age. So it covers primarily the First Age and then also gets into the Second Age by the end. Is that correct? Yeah. It, okay. it covers a lot more. More of the page time is in the first age, even though the first age is less time than the second age. And is this a? Tell me if yeah. I'm wrong here as well. This is my uh, this is my Wikipedia research. So correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. The first age of Middle Earth ends with the fall of Morgoth. Correct. Yes. The second age of Middle Earth ends with the first fall of Sauron. I believe. And then the third age ends with, you know, we, we saw the movie. So at the, at the very end of the movie where Sauron falls the second time, is the, are those the three points of what makes the ages end and the new age begins? I believe so. It, again, I probably glossed over it. It was probably mentioned and I missed it okay. exactly. Um, this is from my uh, just little research that I did. But probably it, right. Yeah. Just, just from like not reading the book, but doing as much research as I could online. So... Mm-hmm. I believe that's where the ages begin and end, and it looks like so the second age that's occurring in the uh, in the Rings of Power. They showed the first age with Morgoth falling, or they didn't show well, that, but they mentioned it, right? Basically, the third age starts with the fall of Numenor. After the fall of Numenor, the third age starts, I believe. I okay. think that's it. Okay. Okay, so it's the third age starts either fall of Numenor, or fall first fall of Sauron, which probably happened around the similar time frame. Well, Sauron dies at the fall of Numenor. Okay, so that is the end of the Second Age then. Yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Uh, so it depends which, you know, are we going to go with fall of Sauron or fall of Numenor? If they happen simultaneously, that started the next age. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you quickly then about mm-hmm. the Cimmerillion, as in, do you recommend people read this to find out more about Middle-earth? Or who would you recommend this to? Because oh, we're not going to go over and rate it. It's more of a... It's not your narrative of, oh, fun adventure time, right? How would you yeah. explain this book, and would you recommend people to read it? I would actually... It's not a hard recommend to literally everybody. If you fell in love and with The Lord of the Rings, and you just love everything about it, and you want more, yeah, read The Silmarillion, and take your time, for God's sake, don't tear through it. Pull up maps, pull up family trees and charts, and take your time reading through it and to really digest it. The reason why, like, to kind of give an example on, like, why I enjoyed the Silmarillion is when I read The Lord of the Rings, one of my favorite moments was reading about the Ents and just having a question, where did the Entwives go? And I researched online and I was looking at maps and I found interesting stuff of Tolkien's actual writing and his 
uh, say, him giving clues and maybe hints about where the Entwives went. If you're someone like me, like that's something that interested you while reading Lord of the Rings, you'll probably like the Silmarillion. But if you read Lord of the Rings and you're like, yeah, the poetry was a little slow. I tried to skip some of that. I just wanted to get more to the action, the you know, the plot. Then maybe the Silmarillion isn't for you. And just watch a YouTube video about it. So similar, reading the Silmarillion is more for hardcore fans, you'd say, of people that are. Yeah. If you've got, uh, if you're, and if you have an obsession with Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings, all that, it's worth the read. Thing is, it also is. I'm invested, and because I'm invested, it's such beautiful writing and wonderful stories. Like, honestly, if you're not sure you want to read the whole Silmarillion, just read the story of Beren and Luthien. It's a self-contained story. It's great. It's a great story. And then put in the context of the rest of the world, it's so meaningful. Mm. So there's a bunch of stuff in there. Okay. Some tragedies, some love stories, some histories of battles and great. It's all, it's all fun. Neat. All right. So Silmarillion is a what out of 10? Rate it now. <laughs> I, I, we talked before this episode going, should we rate this book? And I think that's the first one we went, no. Yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult because obviously world building would get the 10 out of 10. Duh. Like that's of book course is world building. It is world building. It's mm. the best world building one can possibly do. Mm. But the other aspects, like it's hard to rate it. It's um, kind of like rating a biography. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like know? how do I rate? I guess characters. There's some really great individual characters, but there's also some interesting characters that you don't really get too much of their perspective. Mm. You don't get a lot of dialogue with them. You get stories told about them. Mm. So how am I supposed to judge that? Yeah, it's not it's not that kind of book. It's a it's a very niche book for really big fantasy fans. But it's it's also special. Like I really did enjoy it and yeah. I will read it again. Like I know I will pretty soon. Oh, also very important to mention this is that the Cimmerillion, although it's J.R.R. Tolkien wrote it but did not complete it. Yes. Christopher his, Tolkien his, his son. son go on about that. Yeah. Well, his son compiled most so a lot most of it is written by J.R.R. Tolkien. Like, this, the words on the page are written by him. Got but it, it is organized and compiled together. And some edits are made by his son, Christopher Tolkien. And Christopher Tolkien, he turned, he was like in his 90s when he died. And <laughs> died, I think, in 2020 or recently, within the past five yeah, or six years. 2020, he died. 2020. Yeah, that, I believe so. That sounds right. And now the Tolkien estate is ran by Tolkien's uh, by a grandson, group, but grandchildren, but I think a group of them. I don't know how exactly it's divvied up, but I, I will say this: it's odd to me. Amazon bought the rights to the appendices in the Lord of the Rings months after Christopher Tolkien, the son of J.R.R. Tolkien, res- resigned, stepped, not- stepped aside from the lead of the Tolkien estate. Yeah, I believe that happened like months apart. In t- back in 2017 is when Amazon snagged those rights, which is a curious timeline. What does that What does that lead you to think? It it makes a lot of sense. Why though? I I do think the whole Rings of Power fiasco, in some way, is in part to blame from the Tolkien estate. Why would you sell the company to like only the appendices of the story? The, I mean. 
if you're just gonna, don't if, don't do any. If then you're don't sell do it all. Tolkien's work, might as well sell the Silmarillion so they can tell the story correctly. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Like, it, either sell them the rights to the whole thing so they can actually use it and produce something of quality, or don't sell them anything at all. So almost you're, and I interpreting this right that almost with the Tolkien estate selling only the appendices are kind of putting handcuffs on them when they're making. They the are. Show. But here's the thing. Amazon could have taken this opportunity to do something different instead of trying to tell all of this stuff, like all of the, basically the fall of Numenor and this whole second age thing. Focus on something that they actually have focus on like there are references to Baron Luthien in the appendices. Tell that story, mm. plenty of detail there and you could, you can have some detail liberties with it. Yeah. But you have good characters. You have characters that people will root for, and you have like an actual narrative. There is a very like well laid out narrative there. So it's for a fault of both parties, yes. both Amazon and the Tolkien Estate. You'd say I was more so with Amazon, but I think Tolkien Estate has some to blame because I'm I'm sure as well with Amazon being a little handcuffed here. There's probably stuff that they might have wanted to tell in the appendices, but would stray too close to the Cimmerillion, so they couldn't say it because I, of that? I know of one instance, and it's they do not have the rights to the first age. They, the Amazon doesn't. Mm. They are only allowed to reference it briefly for context of the second age. Okay. So they were able to show a brief glimpse of Morgoth, but they can't actually tell any story with Morgoth. Because that would be taken the first from, age. That would be taken from rights they don't have. They can't do um they can't show us Valinor or else other than brief glimpses because that's the first age stuff. Got so it. there's a bunch of stuff they're not allowed to show us and tell mm-hmm. because that's the first age. Okay. Other than the necessary stuff to even tell the story. So Yeah. So I I think if there's not, is there anything else you want to go in detail? Like, what's something cool about the Cimmerillion that someone could take out of this that really made you enjoy this read? Because it was a meticulous read, but you left it feeling more fulfilled about Middle Earth. Definitely, it it's ultimately it's ultimately a story about uh, immortality and more immortality versus mortality, and how both are gifts and a curse. How literally the god of Arda, which is the planet Middle Earth is on, um, ba- says he gave the gift of death to humans. That death is a gift to them. I like that. And where the elves are always stuck. They never they never get to die. Even when they're killed, even they float their souls float in the halls of uh Madros and eventually will get reborn. But they're stuck there forever. Where men, when they die, they go to the halls of Mahadros um, and go somewhere. Don't know where. Even the the uh, the Valar don't know where they go. Wow. Who knows? And so that is the gift of death. And so that's how the elves see it and oh. where the men see the gift of immortality. I like that a lot. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. Something that I think you should read next is, and it's a shorter, just read the chapter of Baron and Luthien that goes over that a lot. So if if you could recommend a short read for anyone, then it's read that Baron and Luthien. Is that the correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, that's not too long. Okay. That, that's a portion of the Cimmerillion. Yeah. It's one chapter. Well, it's just a chapter. Just a chapter. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess we'll leave it with that then. 
Yeah, with I think so. Cimmerillion, a lot of lore in there. There's big differences between Rings of Power and Cimmerillion, although they don't have the rights to it. So but it's, mainly, a, it's a really sticky situation. The show just doesn't have the heart that come in a lot of yeah. the the messaging and story and all of the important questions of life. It doesn't have any of that. It's an, The Rings of Power is much like an empty show. This has been Tudor Ramble, everybody. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.